All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show. Powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show live, powered as always by Barhaven Ford. Just a reminder to stop in and check out their new lineup of BFC custom vehicles. They're Roush inspired, they're beautiful F 150s, Rangers, Mustangs, and of course the Broncos. Uh, I'm Brent Wallace, and as always, joined by Mark Mathot, who, if he played in last night's game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Ottawa Senators, would have had 92 minutes in penalties. All cross-checking. <laughs> that was, I'm sure we're going to well, get to it, so I don't want to burn through that, yeah. but that was wild. Oh, my God. Anyway. And so, we, and we'll get to it, I promise. Uh, and we got lots to talk about. So, uh, you know what? Without further ado, because we just don't have time, we're going to get right to all the stuff that we had to talk about. We're bringing on our good friend, and as always, Ian Mendez from The Athletic, who now, I believe, holds the record for most appearances on the show. I think it's four. <laughs> uh, and I know that you're a nervous wreck because you're Dallas Cowboys are about to play the Philadelphia Eagles a little later tonight. So I'm glad you were able to have the time to come on. Well, I, listen, between 8 o'clock and midnight, I'm going to be curled up in the fetal position watching my favorite football team play. So I'm more than happy to do it now. And then later on today, when I'm uh, heartbroken and angry and dejected, I'm not going to be in such a good mood. <laughs> do, you, do you have like an angry – like do you have a snack that you eat for every Cowboy game that just gives you like indigestion? Because I'm assuming that's what you get from watching the Cowboys. And by the way, I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm just not as all in as you. I'll tell you, the Dallas Cowboys, you could eat rice cakes and the Dallas Cowboys would give you indigestion, okay? That's what they do to their fan base. 
they mock you, they put you through the ringer, and then at the end of it, you have nothing. But although I will say the way that the Detroit Lions lost on Sunday, that that that's cruel. It's tough. It is tough. The NFL has been fun of fun, uh, great finishes of late. Speaking of great finishes, let's get to topic number one, and that's the game last night. The Ottawa Senators opened up the preseason schedule. They had a three-two overtime win over the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, a shootout or not the shootout winner, the winner by uh, Shane Pinto. Uh, he looked really good, uh, but I think we'll start with uh, Ridley Gregg because uh, he had, I think, a memorable game, and it didn't last a full entire game. So let's go. Uh, first of all, impressions of his goal. And Meth, I want to ask you afterwards, would you have tried something like that in a preseason? Like, is is that acceptable for respecting the game, as people always say when it comes to preseason hockey? Go ahead, Mendez, oh. your thoughts on the goal. Oh, you want to go with the in first? I thought, I, thought you, I thought you were going yeah. with Meth. He's our guest. No, I, afterwards, Meth will chime in. Oh, okay. Um uh, Listen, Ridley Gregg came as advertised. Uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to his dad a few weeks ago, Mark, who uh, played the National Hockey League. The one thing Mark Gregg told me, he said when Ridley was like 8, 9, 10 years old, he said, we always knew, it didn't matter, Ridley was going to be in the middle of the game. And and it, whether it was him, impressive if he was going like, so fun playing youth hockey, this is Ridley Gregg. And so I was warned going into this, this kid is going to try and do something to wow you. That's just who he is. It's his natural DNA, his motor revs. And you saw it, the good and the bad. Like That was full school Pavel Bure through the legs, backhand, roof on Eric Comrie. That was great. The cross check to the face of Dubois, I didn't like it. Um, that's, that's probably for a kid. Like you think about it now, how weird will it be if he makes the team on opening night He's probably not going to be able to play because he's going to be suspended. But this kid is fun to watch. He's just going to rein it in a little bit. He's been suspended three times in the WHL. Uh, if he can rein it in, he's going to be a he's going to be a wonderful player to watch. Yeah, I agree. And I think I mean you summed it up pretty good there. I I didn't like the way the defenseman played that. Mind you, it looked like he was coming off a change or something. But I can guarantee you that that probably not. Probably would not happen if I was playing. But in any case, I like the creativity, as you mentioned, Ian. Goes through his legs. A lot of players are actually fairly good at doing that. But to pull it off in a game is a different animal. So you got to give him props there. But for me, the finish, the backhand shelf finish is, is so impressive. And he plays on the edge, right? And, and we've seen players across the NHL play that way. It makes them incredibly unpredictable. And, um, you know, in that short span of time that he actually played hockey last night in that game... By the way, look great all game. Very confident. Um, he's he's making he's making a push for a spot. Now we look at the lineup here, and I mean I guess not. That's last night's lineup, but we're going to look at the lineup moving forward. And where does he fit? I don't know. At this point, it's way too soon to tell. There's a lot of hockey left to be played. There are more exhibition games, of course. So, um, and I can speak from experience playing in these exhibition games. When you're a veteran and you are playing in them. You're not going all out. You just aren't. Um, in fact, even at home, you're not really looking forward to them. It's more for conditioning, getting your timing down. And so I think you're going to get a better idea where a lot of these young players stand come game like, you know, the, the last couple games of exhibition, that game five, six, and seven. So that's when I think it'll be really important to get a good little kind of view on who some of these kids are and what they're capable of. I'm just thinking of the Ridley Gregg suspension because he's getting a hearing and it's today and we'll probably find out yeah. tomorrow what it is. But could he not just get preseason games of suspension or is he 
are we all but assured that it's going to be at least a one NHL regular season game? Like I've seen them do suspensions before in the preseason. Meth would know this. Wouldn't every veteran player try and get suspended for the whole preseason? Wouldn't you just go out in your first <laughs> preseason game and pancake somebody from behind so you didn't have to play again? Guaranteed. And and that's, again, and I know it sounds, because I got a comment on Twitter. I made a, po a post about this and someone called me a diva as a joke, I'm sure. But there there is a little bit of truth to it. And I think you got to put this into perspective. When you're playing an 82-game season, a contact sport, and you've got the token seven games prior it really just adds on to that. And the travel sucks. I mean, flying into Winnipeg on the day of, it's a long flight. You got to play a game that evening. You're flying right back home. You're playing with players you're very unfamiliar with. The only players that are even remotely excited to play in these games are the young guys. The guys that aren't even on the team, the fringe players. So again, it's it's just one of those things where you take it as a grain of salt. Uh, I thought the the suspension, we're talking about Ridley Gregg and a potential suspension. I, I agree. I think if it was a play... Uh, if you could apply that suspension to preseason games, you'd probably see it a lot more, you know, a little more often. But I think we're, you're probably going to realistically look at a game or two here in regular season, just because they're trying to get rid of all these headshots. If if they're if they are as sensitive as they have been now, as we're seeing last night with cross checks that are very harmless, you know, a, a direct shot to an NHL regular's face in preseason clearly caused injury. I mean, you got to think they're going to come down pretty hard on them to set an example. Uh, thoughts on Shane Pinto's game as he scored the overtime winner. And we've, we've talked about this before and, and I'm not even sure why we discussed it. Could he, and, and we're going to get to it later, be on the bubble. Uh, is Shane Pinto not an NHL regular player at this point, regardless of how many NHL games he's played and how few they've been? Uh, Mark, I'll, Matthew, I'll start with you. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, and I, I was saying this before yesterday's game. Yeah. For me, I can, I can understand on paper and, and with DJ coming out in the media and just flat out saying that it's tyranny right now, I mean, you can't expect him to just hand a young player that position and verbally commit to it. Pinto's going to have to go out there and prove himself. If he keeps playing the way he did last night, why would you send him anywhere else? I mean, if he's effective, and for me, the biggest thing is, can he play defense? Is he a liability? He's not. He's a terrific no. two-way forward centerman, and he's responsible, he's confident, um, and again, we had a really small sample size last year. It's tough because you don't want to commit to a kid right away without maybe a little bit more of a, a, a you know, a viewing uh, idea. But I think at this point right now, if he can continue on this pace and not necessarily scoring goals, but just playing with the confidence that he has been being responsible in his own end, being good on draws, he's going to put a good case for him to stay in this lineup. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit at this point. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, right? You said he was good. he has to be good on the draws. And in the 12-game sample size last year, I think he won like 40-something percent of his draws. That's not good yeah. enough. And last night he won 60, north of 60%, and that's what you want to see, 13 yep. to 21. What I think is interesting, though, look at the way that they handled Josh Norris, Alex Formington, Drake Batherson. What approach was it? It was patient. It was slow. It was let's let them marinate in Belleville for probably a little bit longer than they need to. But look, they're all legitimate NHL players now. Here's my question on Pinto. And I love the game. He is, like Brent said, he's NHL ready. Is he NHL ready to play Patrice Bergeron, Austin Matthews, uh, Sasha Barkov, uh, you know, go down the list. of guys. That's just his own division. I don't want to put this kid, we went through it with Curtis Lazar years ago. 
I don't want to see this young man come in because he's got some hype around him. And the next thing you know, it's Christmas time and you're not make sure when he comes up, he's not on a yo-yo and he's not going back. So, but I, the way he played last night, if he plays like that all season, absolutely. He's ready to go, but that's just one game in the preseason. That's all. Right. Right. They said the same thing about Josh Norris though, that he couldn't, how is he going to handle Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and then Mark Shifley and all these guys in the Canadian division. He did okay last year. Were they are they a playoff team this year? No. So I think they need to put Shane Pinto in at second yeah. at the second line center and let him just play there and see if he can flourish. He did nothing but last year in the the small sample size to show that he shouldn't be in the NHL. Go ahead, Matt. Right. But but there is a and to Ian's point and I do understand that side too is that the games are going to be significantly different now when the expectation level is a little higher. You're not playing out the final 12 games of the year where the games are a little more meaningless and there's a lot less pressure on you as a player. You're going into a season in the lineup. It's a different animal. It just is. So I can understand being a little apprehensive and not be willing to throw them into the fire. But again, I think what it comes down to, and this is probably what the organization is going to do, we're going to see him play at least four exhibition games, I'm assuming. Uh, and, and they're going to have to throw him in there and see what he can do. And if he can bring it every night, you're going to, you know, he's in control at that point. And why would you turn away a player that productive? I mean, to me, it would just be crazy. So again, it's, you got to be careful. I do agree with Ian, but if he can demonstrate that he can handle it in preseason, I don't think you have a choice as an organization, but to keep him in that lineup. And, and one other thing here, uh, based on, we just talked about Ridley, Greg and Shane Pinto. Would you guys agree with this assessment that Ridley, Greg and Shane Pinto in one game, did more to capture your attention than Logan Brown ever did in any game. It's weird, right? Like, like it, 100%. it's weird because I, Logan Brown is so talented and I always wanted yeah. him to get that opportunity, but it never felt like he had, like if I told you to go back, close your eyes and give me your signature Logan Brown moment, I think you'd have a hard time doing it. You can already now close your eyes and Ridley Gregg's got his game in Winnipeg. Shane Pinto has got his kind of Gus Nyquist style overtime goal. Like, I don't know that Logan Brown ever got that in his five some odd years in, in the organization. And it's, 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 and it for me, and I, and I can speak on this, the difference between the three is that two of them are a lot more dynamic. So right away between Pinto and Greg and the speed that they bring to the game, a little more enthusiasm, they got a little more, you know, jump in their step. They're obviously very skilled, particularly with Pinto that grabs your eye right away. When you see a guy lugging the puck up the ice and he's flying and he's making plays, Right away, it just it just exudes confidence. Whereas Logan Brown always just seemed like he was kind of missing a little bit of a step. And that might just be that he needs a new change of scenery. Truthfully, though, I just don't know that he has that extra pop for the NHL level. I could be wrong. I hope I am because uh, from what I understand, he's a great kid. But to me, that's the biggest difference. The two other guys that we're talking on, that we're speaking on right now, are just way more dynamic. And that's been the biggest difference. Okay. I'm going to, I don't usually take shots at players, but here's my Logan Brown moment. And this is what always drove me nuts. My Logan Brown will always be the memory I have of him is slowly skating back to the bench after every shift. It would just be guys would be coming on the ice and he's just sauntering back. That's all I'll always remember. And that's the only thing I can remember. And it drove coaches nuts of what perceived to be him as a less than enthusiastic player. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but it's part of that, and, that. But no, but part of this is I think when you're six foot six, look, Mario Lemieux dealt with this, Jason Spezza dealt with it. Um like 
you're a big guy, so it you're not dynamic by by just by your frame, you're not dynamic. Agreed. But Meth would be able to answer exactly what what Wally is saying. Is that what you would have seen out of Logan Brown? That that just it was a little it it wasn't smooth. It was lackadaisical, and there's a difference, well, there, it, right? Yeah, and it wasn't just that. I saw it's funny you guys bring this up because I saw a couple of clips the other day on Twitter where it was a couple of Logan Brown clips. I forget which account was putting them together, but they were it was a, it was a video of him back checking. And then, and whoever he was playing against, they ended up scoring on that play, and there was zero effort. And to me, I'm thinking, like, can you at least just just fake it? Like, just just pretend yeah. like you're working hard at the very least. But when you're sending that bad body language, what do you think the general manager upstairs is thinking when he's watching it from up top? You look first of all, the game looks very slow from up there, and then it's just accentuated that much more when you, in fact, aren't working that hard. So those are all the little things. Although it seems very trivial. It's very important and crucial that you're sending the right message to your coaching staff and to the general manager and assistant general manager because you got to show that you care and that you're buying into the system. And when it looks like you're lacking effort, that is literally the worst thing you could do for your own game and growth. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so we got one more thing to talk about from last night's game, but of course this is brought to you by BEI Bonisher Excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Go to BonisherExcavating.com. They are our good friends. Okay. What I forgot to bring up, and Matthew hinted at it, is the penalties and the cross-checking in particular. So they're not – people are saying, what about the new rule? Well, there's no new rule, but what they've done is try now to enforce the cross-checking, mostly in front, some beats along the wall. I don't know if you guys have seen the NHL's video on it. They're trying to get rid of all the nastiness, not necessarily the bumping. Now, uh, I did look it up, and in the factors they're looking at when it comes to this is placement of the stick, elimination through force, player embellishment, and, of course, it's always discretionary. Matt, we always know there's lots of penalties at the beginning of the year, especially if they try to change or institute things. Are you okay with the way the game was called last night? Oh, I guess it depends which angle you want to go at it with. Because because I'm all about the game evolving for the better, bringing more speed, bringing more offense. So that's where I'm a little conflicted. I, I, I just – I can sympathize with net front – you know, a net front defenseman. Let's say you're a dither, uh, Dylan – um, Hetherington or a Josh Brown, and your job is to clear the front of the net. Well, it's really hard to do that if you're not allowed to lean on a guy. So that depends where you're going to draw the line, and it becomes very subjective to the official that's on the ice on any given night. So you don't know what they're going to call and what they're going to let go. So for me, body positioning is more important than ever. If they're if they're going to stick with this, a guy like Brandstrom all of a sudden has some new life. I can tell you that right now. So. Uh, I don't necessarily like the way it was called only because I hate seeing an entire game filled with special teams. But if you're going to send a message, now's the time to do that. It gives teams an opportunity to adjust to that. I don't like nasty cross-checks. I don't believe in that. But I do know that there is a fine line between doing that at net front and using your kind of your gloves and giving guys little nudges on the back and pushing on them. So if they're going to let that go, but they're going to call the blatant cross-check into the lower back or the upper back or whatever have you, then I'm all for it. You're not going to hear any pushback from me. Ian, are you okay with the way the game went? Well, you know, with my road hockey experience, guys, I can tell you, I didn't like getting <laughs> slashed in the shins. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I agree with you, Wally. Like every year you come into it and you hear that they're going to crack down on this. They're going to crack down on that. And the next yeah. thing you know, it's Christmas time and everything is back to normal. I, I think you, you're right, Beth. You want to get rid of the egregious stuff, but you don't want to get rid of net front battles. I think if you lose net front battles, 
you're losing a critical element of the game. And, and I think that that's, that's right. part of the game. And I just don't want to see that go by the wayside. Um, can they find a happy medium? The problem is history tells us they'll probably go too far one way to start, then they'll go back to the old way and and here we go again. But it was interesting. I mean, we saw it on display Sunday night uh, in Winnipeg. If they call it the way it is, I'm okay with all of it. I just don't see that the needless, I guess it's needless to me, not to Matt, if you're in front, cross checks along the back where you're just dropping guys flat out in front. I just, it just seems dangerous to me. If That's all. I but maybe I'm just soft. Well, it becomes it becomes soft. it becomes it only ever becomes controversial because what are you what are you allowing the offensive player to do? Is he allowed to go park his ass right in front of the goalie and in the crease or get that extra shot in a net front? Those are things that the, the league will have to work out. Because to me, if I'm standing there and there's a player, and we saw it last night where they're they're fighting for position at net front, as a defender, there's only so much you can do with body position. You need to be able to use your arms. Use your stick a little bit and guy push guys around a little bit. It's just part of the game. And 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 I love it. Like when you come to when you're watching the playoffs and you see two competitors battling at net front, it's just it just brings more of the purity of the sport back into the forefront. So I, I don't know. Again, I obviously I'm biased. I was a stay-at-home D-man. So everyone knows what my answers are gonna be. I just hope they do it in, a, in the proper way. And when I say that is not to, not go like as Ian mentioned. Not go too far one way or the other. Just just make sure you're calling it when you see it and stay consistent throughout the entire season and postseason. And you're going to see a big shift in the way teams are built and the way teams are going to approach it. When you talk about the guys being able to park their ass in front, that's the league has made a mention that they want to help increase offensive scoring through this call. Yeah. So, yes, they're going to allow you to sit there. It's that simple, right? So you're... If you can't push them, and I think if Eric Brandstrom can't figure out a way to be smarter, like as you mentioned, I think on Twitter with Eric Carlson, the way he was effective with his stick and body position, then well, Eric Brandstrom is going to be in trouble. And I wanted to just add one more thing to that with regards to me making that comparison. Eric Carlson was really smart about it because oftentimes, as we all know, you'd look at the game sheet afterwards and he'd have a ton of blocks. Oftentimes, he'd get in front of the guy that was parked in net front and just confront the shooter and block it. I always thought that was very risky because if the shooter just made a nice little off offside shot to one side or the other, no one's at net front. And of course, everything's left to me to come over and save. But but I think that that's something that Branstrom's going to have to figure out. There were a few plays last night, we'll probably end up getting to that, that I didn't like. And it makes this whole issue very polarizing around him in particular. But again, that's another topic. All right, well, let's get on to topic number two, and we'll discuss perhaps Mr. Eric Brandstrom. Uh, brought to you by Whitewater, brewed by friends for friends shop, whitewater.ca, and that is on the bubble. So which of these players has a chance to make the club? I'm going to reel off some names, and we're going to have a discussion. Shane Pinto shouldn't even be on the list, but he's on the list because I got over, I got voted <laughs> on. Uh, you know, Igor Sokolov, uh, Ridley Gregg, Parker Kelly, T uh, Tyler Ennis, Eric Brandstrom, Victor Mete. So I, I'm not even discussing Shane Pinto. I just don't see any reason why he should not be on the roster. So let's go Igor Sokolov. I thought he had a pretty good game last night. I think he's looked good. But is there a spot for him if Brady Kachuk comes back? Is he out of a spot because they've now gone out and acquired uh, the guy from St. Louis, Zach Sanford? Yeah, and you take it. Yeah, listen, I, I think Igor Sokolov is 
is going to be the guy that might come up. Like You remember Drake Batherson? I think it was two years ago. He came up, played a handful of games with Matt Duchesne, had some chemistry, then fell off a map, went back down. I think that's going to be Igor Sokolov this year. I think he's going to get 10, 15 NHL games just to give him a taste. But when you listen to Troy Mann, you listen to DJ Smith, they talk about him needing to uh, be ready for the NHL game. And as we talked about this a little bit earlier with the patient approach of Alex Formanton and Josh Norris and Drake Patterson, I think they'll do that for sure with Sokolov. He's even more of a project than a guy like Shane Pinto. His skating has improved. I think uh, his shot, his release, all that stuff is world-class. But I think you don't want to put him in a position where he's not quite ready. What I think is really fascinating, though, is if you look at the right side of this team, Zach Sanford, who they got from St. Louis, he's a left winger. Uh, Tyler Ennis, he can play both sides, but he's a left shot. Like, there is an opening on the right side after they traded Evgeny Dadunov that they still haven't addressed, in my opinion. They'll probably end up moving Nick Paul. But I don't think Igor Sokolov, unless he just goes full Brandon Bochensky in the preseason. I don't think he'll start <laughs> the regular season here. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, with you on Brandon that. Brandon Bochensky's and, name comes up every training camp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, and, and I mean, okay, well, Ian covers Sokolov. I, for me, it's still an intensity thing, and it's probably just more attributed to his skating because everyone knows I love, uh, what do we call him, Sharkalov? I'm a huge fan of his, So I, and he's got such a great attitude that I hope it works out. But... Um, if I'm going to focus on the decor right now and get back to Branstrom, and I know you have Mete on that list, I do think yeah. as of right now, as it stands, even just watching last night, Mete is ahead uh, just because I feel like he's more reliable in his own zone. Branstrom, much more potential offensively. His vision um, and finding outlet passes, running the power play, there's certainly a lot of potential for him to do that as well. It's just the major polarizing issue for me that keeps getting brought up. And I keep seeing it, quite frankly, in games. And it's just body positioning, losing a man, or getting beat off the puck or muscled at net front, which of course we're going to expect will happen sometimes. But it, at the at the rate that it's happening right now, I just if I'm a coach, I'll have a hard time trusting him. Let's just say the last five minutes of a tight game, and that's like how I like to base my, my team off of. So, and then you got guys like Josh Brown who comes in last night, and I thought he had a great game. He was great on the PK. He was moving the puck really well. No one seems to talk about him at all. He's not even in the conversation. We got Delzato and Zaitsev on the second pairing. I just, I think that everything's been very premature. And I still, like, I'm looking at even Hetherington. I mean, I know there was a little mistake at one point, but he'll also, he's a willing combatant. He's very reliable. I've got some history with him in Dallas. I know what he's capable of. He was called up when I got hurt and I watched him play a lot. He can, he's a reliable guy that you can bring up as a seven guy. So again, there's a lot of, it's going to get backlogged a little, although it's still relatively thin on that back end. There are a lot of jobs up for grabs right now, and it really can be anybody's game. So what's 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 it going to look like? I think we'll get a clearer picture here over the next few games. But for me right now, it's it, Branstrom has to come out. He's got to clean up his own zone just a little bit more and be that guy that the coach can trust in those final minutes of a game. Because at this point, when you get to the NHL, you have to solidify yourself on a special teams role. We know he can do the power play thing, but if you can't play him for more than 15 minutes a night, it might get difficult. So we'll see what happens. Mendez, who is your third pairing on the blue line? So if we go ahead and assume it's going to be Shabbat Zub and it's going to be uh, Del Zotto and Zaitsev. Can we call them Del Zaitsev, yeah. by the way? I feel like it just <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Del Zaitsev. Uh, I think Nick Holden is unequivocally on a third pairing. Like, it's not even a question. Like, I, I talked to DJ I Smith. 
uh, or I shouldn't say I like I was part of the press conference on Saturday. The way he spoke about Nick Holden, like just lock it in. He's in there. The only yep. question is, is Nick Holden going to play the left side or the right side? And DJ likes the versatility. And I wouldn't be shocked if, like uh, Matt said, if Josh Brown is in the lineup on opening night, wouldn't shock me for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think their record in the last 10 games Josh Brown played last year was 7-2-1. and one. Also, yep. remember, Josh Brown ended the season playing on a broken foot. And I think that there's something from the coaching staff and I, I don't want to say that you ever say thank you or anything, but I think that went a long way, that that guy played a game with a broken bone in his foot and gutted it out. Yeah. And if you want to set a certain tone, when I just listen to DJ Smith, I know the type of guy DJ Smith likes on his back end. And I think he likes mm -hmm. Nick Holden. And I think he likes Nikita Zaitsev. And I think he likes Josh Brown. And, uh, and to me, that's what makes it interesting. What happens to Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker Two guys that may not necessarily fit the, the DJ Smith mold at this stage of the game. I, I don't know, but I think the fact that Brandstrom is uh, waiver exempt is going to mean he's going to get a ticket to Belleville early in the season, which I don't know that that's best for him, but that's probably what's – I think it's just going to be a numbers game. I know, and they're that's giving him every opportunity, up. right? He's the, he's the final piece of that stone trade. Everyone's really pushing for him. But you, you nailed it right there, Ian. I don't really have a whole lot to add after that. It was very well said. I think the coach, we all know his style. And, 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 and his style has been validated through past playoff teams that have been making it in those top four teams, particularly Stanley Cup champions. We're seeing tall, rangy, physical defensemen anchor teams. And, and, and those are the guys that you need when the games really matter. And, and we saw it again last night. That's my last piece that I'll say. Josh Brown, prime example. I thought he was terrific on the PK. He really was. So that stuff can't be overlooked because he's he's useful. At this point, you can play him 15 minutes a night and be one of your top PK guys, and he'll be in that lineup. So as you mentioned, I just don't see where Branstrom fits in this piece, but I could be wrong. Last point on this uh, quickly, and that is, uh, is Nick Holden and Josh Brown your third pairing, or is there a spot for Victor Mete and Holden and Brown possibly rotate in and out? Or maybe I would make an argument. Altogether. I'll say this really quickly because I want to hear your Ian's piece. But but there's an argument to be made that Mete is a better player than Delzato. I haven't seen Delzato enough yet this season. Obviously, uh, I'm curious to see what his foot speed looks like. But on that second pairing right now between him and Zaitsev, man, I, and Zaitsev's not exactly the best when it comes to outlet passes and finding guys. He likes to kind of get rid of the puck and make safe plays, which of course is great. But between the two of them, I don't know how that chemistry is going to work out. So. It's like I said, I, I, again, I'm curious to see what Ian says on this matter. But for me, it's it's pretty wide open. And there's some there's some real dogfights here for those those couple positions that are free on that back end. Yeah, Delzato is going to be really interesting, right? Because it's a two-year deal. So it's not like this guy's coming in for one year and then he's going to get phased out. You are pretty sure he's going to get every opportunity to play top four minutes here for the first, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks. Then we'll see where we're at. You know, the one thing on Delzato is like when Mike – First came into the league, Matthew, and you would know, like, he was like a flashy kind of offensive kind of guy. And then John Tortorella really got a hold of him in New York. And Torts really kind of hammered home the way you got to play the game. And then I think uh, Michael's kind of evolved a little bit. Like, he's become a little bit more of a shot blocker, a little bit more physical. Uh, I know Torts yeah. liked him. In, like, to me, when John Tortorella brings you back for a second tour of duty like he did in Columbus last year, probably shows you 
that he respects him. And I always feel like if you're a John Tortorella guy, I suspect you'd be a DJ Smith guy. Does that make sense? Like, uh, yeah, it does. Like the, the, their mentality. Old Sorry, school. I'm really curious though. Yeah, old school. So, But I'm really yeah. curious. Ottawa's biggest problem has been, and I feel like this could be a recording from 2014 or 15, it's finding a second pairing. The first pairing, I got no problems with Thomas Shabbat and Artem Zub. Just like I had no problems with Mark Mathod and uh, Eric Carlson, or I didn't have problems with Eric Carlson and Philip Kuba or whoever it was. Like, um, mm-hmm. But we got some problems here beyond the top two. And that is going to be mm-hmm. the story of this team. And I know the fan base is tired of who's going to play in the second pairing, but it feels like here we go again with, with this. Yeah. Yeah, Although I, I did, sorry, uh, I did have a problem with Mark Mathod. I should point out, I did, I did have a problem. <laughs> no, and again, I get, I, I like we can speculate all we want here, but I, I just, I need to see him play. I haven't seen Delzato play in a while. I'm curious to see what the chemistry is like with Zaitsev. And again, on defense, I think another thing people need to be aware of is it doesn't happen overnight. You got to get, they got to get reps in, they got to get games under their belt. So it might not be crisp. Uh, you know, in that first game together, but give them a couple games to play and we'll see what they, we can make an assessment. Let's just put it this way toward the end of training camp. Uh, one other player left on that list, and then we're moving on, and that is Ridley Gregg. Uh, we've often seen uh, guys who could possibly go back to junior, get a couple NHL games to start the year, just to sometimes it's a reward for good camp, sometimes just to see what they can do. Does Ridley Gregg get up to 10 games, nine games as he goes into the season here? Mendez. Boy, it's, it's going to be interesting. And again, now the potential suspension might play a little bit. Like, I mean, not a huge role, but yep. he, he likely is going to get a game. I, I suspect he's going to get a game because he did get thrown out for the back half of that game. And I think they'll take that into account. I, I don't think it was egregious enough to give him you know three or four games. So I'm thinking he gets a game. Um, this is going to be interesting because you could tell this organization's really disappointed in the way that the whole transfer agreement worked last season. Look, it was an abnormal, atypical year. I think the leagues mm-hmm. should have made some sort of uh, revision and allowed guys like Ridley Gregg to have the option to play in the AHL. It's not fair. Like, guys who played in the OHL are basically, and Cole Perfetti is a great example. Cole Perfetti with Winnipeg played enough AHL games where the Jets can say, uh, we're not sending him back to junior, we'll send him to the Ottawa would love to do that with Ridley Gregg, and they can't simply because of a technicality because he happened to play in the Western League. So I mm. I do side with them there. I think it's wrong. I think they should have either made a full blanket policy for everybody or nobody. But it was like this weird a la carte thing where some guys did and some mm. guys didn't. Um, I think yeah. he does stick for the first six games or six of the year. And I think you just see, can he be our fourth line center? Because boy, oh boy, he's got this... He's got this motor that doesn't quit. And you again, I'll go yeah. back to it. He's a DJ Smith type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> again, Ian's on the mark. I don't even have anything to add to that. He's a he's Matt, DJ Smith type of player. Want. And he's no, yeah. but, he, but really though, and 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 again, like I didn't know a whole lot about him. And then I'm watching him last night. I purposely I paid no attention to the inner squad games. I didn't watch any of that stuff because I know from experience it means absolutely nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll watch that first exhibition game and see what he's got. And he's got some swagger, man. He's got some swagger. He's physical. He's off the cuff a little bit. I mean, for a for a fourth line guy, it just goes to show you how deep this team is, and it's such an exciting thing when it comes to the prospect pool that we have here in Ottawa. It's it's really really exciting. So I think they've got a lot of options. He's certainly one of them right now, and he's making a good case for it.
All right. Speaking of uh, prospect pool, we'll move on. Uh, which player will have the biggest impact on the Sens this season? Brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Uh, bet on the preseason NHL action. If you want to go to SportsInteraction.com slash Wally Mathot, get in on the action. They are Canada's odds makers. All right. Here's the list you get to choose from of players who are going to have the biggest impact on the Sens this season. Igor Sokolov, Alex Formanton, Tyler Ennis, or Mark Kastelik. Kastelik, sorry. There's there's four guys. Uh, you could even put Pontus Aberg in there if you want. It's it's a group that's you don't know if they're even going to have a roster spot for the most part. So that's why I kind of made this list up. Uh, Meth, who do you think of that list will have the biggest impact? <laughs> So this is Wally's random list. Um, yes. No, no, I, yes. I, I do, I do like it. I do, uh, and it's certainly, uh, you know, you can make. You know, there's a few arguments involved here potentially, but I think, like with Castellic, I watched him last night. I see it. I do see it with him. Um, there's a little bit of fire in him. He's a big guy, a big body, um, but I, you know, he was a little quiet. I found in uh, yesterday evening against Winnipeg, but again, it's just one game. If we're talking about on the season, I mean, Ennis looked great. I'm surprised I'm even saying this, but I thought Tyler Ennis had a really good game. He was handling the puck really well. D depending on who he's playing with, he potentially could be that guy. But again, there's a lot of players vying for those few spots. So I think for me right now, I, I'll just say, I, I would like to think Matt Murray's the X factor because if he can come and be the goalie that he can be, that can win the Senators a lot of games. I know he wasn't an option. So I'll just stick with Ennis for fun. I know that it's a long shot. We rarely see a player come into camp off a, on a PTO and actually make the team. I am acknowledging that, but I like the way he played last night. I liked his game. Uh, I, I got to say, I'll, I'll take I'll take Alex Formanton. I, I think you saw it again last night or on Sunday night. Yep. He comes down the left wing. He uses he's got world class speed, like world class speed, not just pretty good speed. Like I think he can go almost at the same speed as Connor McDavid, just can't do the thing. That's what makes McDavid special. Agreed. Like, there's a handful yep. of players who can skate like that. There's only one guy who can make moves at that at that speed. So, But Alex Formanton reminds me a lot of Andreas Athanasiu when he first came in, and you always felt like that guy was good for one breakaway a game. One breakaway yep. a game. And what I like about Formanton is he makes the opposition defenseman on the power play think. You got to think when you're walking the line and making – you just got to think about it. And that's that's a pretty good val uh, characteristic to have. Do I think he can score 15 goals this season? I think that's a little much. I think he's more like, let's let's put him in for 10. Let's put him on the yes. second unit to penalty kill. Because I think Connor Brown and Nick Paul will be your first unit guys. Let's let him kill some penalties, do some things, bring him in nicely. Uh, so I think out of that group, I think he'll have the biggest impact. But I, I agree with Matt. Like Tyler Ennis has like this little water bug characteristic to him like he's just he's just always active and I really noticed him in the game on Sunday he's a really likable guy I just don't know in bringing Zach Sanford in does that squeeze him out once Kachuk comes back in and you're talking exactly. about Parker Kelly and some of these other guys you want to bring in but I I like what Tyler Ennis brings to the equation and I'd love to see him uh re-signed if, if if it makes sense yeah and with regards to Formington like if because you you nailed it right there and he makes defenders so tentative my experience playing against very fast players, my gap goes to shit. I'll purposely back off because I don't want to get burned, and I'm hoping that he'll try to shoot through me. So we saw it last night. If if, if Alex can figure out that shot, I mean, I, it's hard to replicate a long outside shot like that, you know, far post and in. It's not something you can do every night. But if he can figure that out, 
it's such a deadly weapon because it, I mean, it just opens everything up. It backs off that decor and your line mates will get more opportunities too. I'm curious to see how it plays out for him. And I truly hope he can get a, a consistent spot in the lineup. Okay. So what is Alex Formanton as a player? I, I thought he was maybe a higher offensive upside, but is he going to end up being a energy third line type player in his NHL career? Mendez, I'll start with you. Well, just simply look at the left wing side of this team. And if you assume that in the next five years, Brady Kachuk and Timmy Stutz are going to take most of the reps on the left side, that just doesn't leave you an opportunity to be a top six guy, right? So I don't think, as this roster is currently constructed, that Alex Formanton is going to be a top six left winger. Now, does he maybe have some of the skill set of a top six left winger? Yeah, he probably does. But there you can see Zach Sanford has probably come in and already leapfrogged him. Like, I think to start this season, Alex Formanton comes in. He's a fourth line guy. He can maybe work his way up a little bit, maybe to the third line. But I just see Kachuk and Stutzler there, and I don't see any scenario she leapfrogs those guys. So I no. see him as a bottom six guy here. I agree. And and there's no there's no way around it. There's no argument against it. And there's no shame in it. Being a fourth line role player. And 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 again, it's absolutely crucial, especially when you're a bottom six guy, to find a role on the special teams. Formanton clearly, clearly, if he can become some PK specialist, I mean, he's gonna be a deadly guy to have in your lineup. And again, no shame in being on that fourth line. Certainly not if you're on a good team. It's something that he can kind of you know, really invite into his game and just take pride in. And, and that's something where I'd like to see him be, where you're that cemented fourth-line guy, but the ultimate threat on your second uh, unit on the PK. And that's something that I think he can look forward to. Uh, can I just quickly go to Colin White? And Mendez, you mentioned this in your article. I came out this morning, if I'm not mistaken, and part of it was in Colin White. Uh, he's going to be at center this season. I mean, he's brought that up before, but... The one thing I found interesting he said was, quote, he's been a center his whole life. Why would he play wing, said DJ Smith. Well, I think Colin White's probably played half his career at wing, if I'm not mistaken, with the Ottawa Senators. It's an interesting comment to me. Does that mean, like, he's not seen Colin White play on the wing? Well, Colin even mentioned, uh, and it was our colleague, in fact, former Wally and Mathot guest Sylvain St. Laurent from last week, who asked uh, the question to... Uh, DJ Smith and said, do you ever think about putting uh, Colin White on the right wing? And DJ's very, I find DJ Smith really good with us. Like, I think he's fantastic with the media. He's, he very rarely gets short. He's very open. He's very honest. That was one of the rare times where he was kind of like a little bit ticked off at the question. And then he, the, the next question that got followed up, I think that Sly asked him, he was a little bit more forthcoming. He was very dismissive of the idea off the hop. So that leads me to believe Colin White is locking in uh, a centerman. But I do think it's interesting. Then Colin came to the podium and talked about how he did play some right wing when Matt Duchesne was here. Um, you know, I think he sees himself as a centerman. I think he, he talked to us about look, shortening the stick and, you know, being better on face-offs and that type of thing. Um, but I, this is a big year for Colin White, guys. He has to prove that he's worth the $4.75 million. And um, mm. I think probably at center is where he can get the most value for it. But he's not your prototypical kind of playmaking centerman with great vision. But I do think he's got more upside than sometimes he shows. And the one thing that I do think that's really worth pointing out, when he scored that goal in the 
Uh, and I know it's just a scrimmage. Did you see the way that his teammates surrounded him? He's really well-liked in that room. And I think that's important. They have some fun at his expense or whatever. He's a glue guy. And I know you shouldn't be paying $5 million, $4.575 for a glue guy. He's really well-liked in that room. Watch, Go back and watch the way Drake Batherson and Timmy Stutzel and Josh Norris dogpile him there at the end of his scrimmage. They like him. Everyone wants him to do well, but this is a big year for, uh, for Colin White. Whenever he- we ask people on the show about guys in the room and whatever. It's always Colin White of who's the guy that bugs you the most or whatever it is, right? Because he's always he's always in the middle of it. And he reminds me a bit of Zach Smith in that way. That he was that type of guy. He's certainly very well liked and and he's always been great to deal with. He and I think Meth, you brought this up before, and with no disrespect to Colin White, he's got a contract that should probably not be what he's should be getting paid. Good for him. Hey, we'll sign your deal at any time, but. I mm-hmm. think that that becomes an issue and almost an albatross for him is that he's looked upon as the second line center based on his contract. And he's not that type of player right now. No. And that's, that's the issue. And that's going to be the talking point that he won't be able to get away of from unless he just starts playing out of his mind. But again, he's like, both of you have mentioned it and I'm just going to be repeating it at this point. He's a good guy in the room. The guys love him. Yeah. You need those players. Absolutely. It's a long season. It's stressful when you have players that are liked in that, let me rephrase, when you have players that are highly likable uh, guys in the room and off the ice, it really makes a difference with the team chemistry. And so, again, you can't fault him for signing that deal. I think anybody would have in his position. And I I just, I I think like most people, I'm just hoping he can figure it out and become a real contributor to this team because all the pieces are in place. Everyone's cheerleading for him. It's just, it's up to him at this point. Uh, On to the next topic. Uh, because I told Mendez we wouldn't keep him this long, and we already have. So uh, we're well past where I said <laughs> so we could let him go. I, I'm, I, I know you're nervous about the game, and so I don't want to distract you any longer. Um, that's the fact, Zach. So uh, the Sens trade Logan Brown for Zach Sanford. We probably, we kind of talked about it earlier, but uh, just to delve into, we don't know a lot about Zach Sanford, and depending on who you read on Twitter, he's either really, really good, or fans couldn't wait to see him get out of St. Louis. So does anybody really know who Zach Sanford is? He's a big body. He looks good on paper anyway for what he brings to this lineup. Yeah, and, and I think and it's interesting. Did. Like I connect, I connected with my uh, my colleague Jeremy Rutherford who covers the, the Blues for The Athletic. And uh, he said, look, uh, Zach Sanford be, did become a polarizing guy in St. Louis. The fans there felt like he turned the puck over a little bit too much. And he was guilty of being a tweener. Not quite good enough to maybe be top six, but not kind of enough edge to him to be a, a, a bottom six guy. Just caught in between. And he played, if you look at his minutes, he played mostly with Ryan O'Reilly. That was his most common line mate was Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron in the last two years. So this is a guy who has been a top six player for St. Louis. This is a guy who in the Stanley Cup final scored a huge goal for them in game seven, set up another one in game five. So he's been a big part of the St. Louis Blues, but he's caught in between. And when the Blues had to get to a point where we got to get under the cap, they got rid of a $2 million player because that was probably the easiest thing to do. And I think he's going to come here. He's going to be super motivated. Um, I've been told that, look, this is a guy that could maybe score 15 goals this season for Ottawa. Maybe 15. 20 is probably pushing it, but he's going to maybe come in here and score 15 goals. He's a potential UFA. I think if you looked at it right now, 
Zach Sanford starts the season on the left wing. Colin White, who we were just talking about, is your center. And I think Nick Paul is going to play on the right wing. Again, this is all if Brady Kachuk comes back in, uh, in time for the opener. But that's how I think the third line is going to play itself out. And I think he's got enough of a, a sample size. And he did play a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. He played for Troy Mann very briefly in the Washington system. There's a little familiarity there. I think they're going to come in and allow this guy to be the third line left winger. And, and he brings a little bit more experience than a Formanton or a Parker Kelly or some of these other guys that might be in the mix. And he played with Colin White at BC. So uh, yeah. there's that. <laughs> uh, so the other part of that is just the Logan Brown saga is now come to an end. And I know we, we hinted at it or touched on it briefly, but I'm shocked that he even got to training camp. I didn't think there was any way that he was going to end up at training camp Uh and I thought he'd be dealt by then. And then they signed the deal for 750000 which meant he really had no leverage. And it was just a sign, and then we'll try and move you type thing. So, uh, and I know you wrote an article about him, uh, Ian, on Saturday. It's, listen, good for Logan Brown to find a new place to go and play because I don't wish him any harm or any ill will. It just didn't fit here in Ottawa, and it was time to get uh, a new lease on life, if you will. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I, uh, you know, I reached out to Logan Brown uh, and his camp on on Saturday. I've been listen. I've been pestering them for weeks, so they were probably tired of me. And then I pestered them one more time after the trade, and they were nice enough. They're like, "Hey, you can phone. Uh, yeah, go ahead and phone Logan on his way home." Uh, and you know, I, I got him in his car, and I thought it was funny. The the poor guy, he just drove from St. Louis to Ottawa, sixteen and a half hours, and was here for like three days, and literally turned around and drove back. Like, so if this deal gets done five, six days earlier, he saves himself 30 plus hours of driving. But it, it was a good conversation with him. He, I think, just needed a fresh start. It never was going to work here. And I think, I hate to go back and harp on something that I've said a number of times, but they have altered the core DNA of this team in the last three years. It probably started when they drafted Brady Kachuk, but you look at it. Look at all of the the Ridley Greggs and the, you know, Zach Ostapchuk and all of these guys that they've been drafting all have one thing in common. They have some skill, but they got some uh, sandpapery, blue-collar element to them. Logan just doesn't have that. And I, I feel like it's a round peg, square hole type of thing here in Ottawa. It just didn't seem like it was going to work, and even more so that he didn't quite fit the mold of what they were trying to do, which was to be this really tough team to play against. And Logan's just a silky smooth offensive guy that doesn't have that element to him. Just didn't seem like it was going to work out. So I like the guy. I, I really hope he, it works out for him. He gets to go home to St. Louis. I, I'm always happy when people get a chance to go because I think everybody should get one chance to go and play in their hometown if that's what they want to do. I think it'll be good for him, but it was just, it was time. It was never going to work out here. Matthew, you're quiet. Yeah. Because Matt is regretting, he's regretting getting no. a chance to play in his hometown. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. Playing in your hometown is great, but I don't know anything about Zach Sanford. I have nothing to contribute here until I get to see him play on the ice. <laughs> it's it's almost like I, I keep wanting to call him, like, like I always have to pause on his name. I'm like, wait, is that? Because there was a, was it Curtis Sanford was the old goalie yes, that played for a bit? Goalie, yeah. And, yeah. And I keep thinking of Curtis Sanford. Uh, so here we go. See, now, now Matt can get to know Zach Sanford right here. 
There you See, go. And I want yeah. to say Stanford because of Stanford University. But anyway, yeah. no. And, 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 and Ian's done his homework and he's got some guys that he can speak to. But there are a lot of people out there that like to assume they know exactly who the player is along with other new players. And they have no damn idea. So, again, I know when to tell people that I have no idea. And that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you can be part of the next one. Uh, we're moving on. Finally, the last topic before uh, we shut this thing down, at least for with Mendez. Um, who has the best chance at scoring 30 goals? Brought to you by gongshow.com. Uh, by the way, you can check out their fall lineup and you can go purchase some Wham gear if you want. But um, here they are. The top four choices you get. 30 Best chance at 30 goals. Kachuk, Batherson, Connor Brown, Tim Stutzla. Uh, Meth, I'm going to start with you. Now, just I'm going to sure. give you some perspective. There has not been... Uh, and Mendes pointed this out much earlier in the year, uh, a 30-goal scorer since the 2011-12 season with Jason Spetz and Milan McCulloch. And in fact, mm. there has only been eight guys with members of the Ottawa Senators to score 30 or more goals. Uh, they've done it in total 25 times. All right, Matt, you're up. I, I'm tempted to go with a player like Brady only because he's in those hard areas all the time and he'll get dirty goals. But to get that, to get 30 of them is very difficult. So... That leaves me, you know, you can look at Drake Batherson. They all have good chemistry, but I'm going to go down to that second line and go with Timmy Stutzla only because it's a complete guess, wow. of course, and it's a projection. But if he's playing with a line mate like Connor Brown, who had a terrific year, he was great at the world championships. He's found this new confidence and it's showing on it in his play. And if Pinto sticks around and happens to have a good year, because really it all comes down to your line mates and who's feeding you the puck. And beyond all that, if he can become a solid trigger man on one of those power play units where he's got that release, we all know he's got a terrific shot. I, I just, and, and based off of Ian's article and how he's been looking in training camp so far, I got to just go with a player like him. He's got that X factor, that, that confidence of a sniper. I'm going to go with Stutzla. I know he's very young, but I'm going to put that on him right now. Tim Stutzla, you know what? goals last season. I know. Yeah. 12 goals in whatever it was, 50, 53 games or whatever that he played in. But it's it's tricky, right? Because I think if you talk to Ottawa fans, like they're all they're just handing out 30 goal seasons to everybody. He's getting 30 and he's getting 30. It's like it's like Oprah just giving away every I'm like, guy, yeah, back it up. Like Wally said, it's been a decade since somebody scored 30 goals here. Let's just like That's right. like I almost think I would like if you're asking me, uh, and now I'm gonna to to do a sub question to your multiple choice question, which would be, what's more likely? Okay, you guys tell me this. What's more likely? Ottawa has one 30-goal score or three 25-goal scores or four 20-goal yeah. scores? Because I feel like that might be what we're looking at this season. A little yes. historical context, too, on, on Timmy Stutzla. Like, if he could come in and get to 30... Mendez, where did you go? Oh, we lost in his second full season. Okay, we lost you, Mendez. Am I back? Yeah, yeah you're here. back. So we Re just lost just you. Repeat just repeat that a little bit. The very yeah. important part. Oh, it was, was my curious. best thing I ever say. It was hilarious. It was <laughs> honestly. I I don't know if I've ever made a joke so so timely, so witty, and so accurate. And that moment is now past. But no, I I will say that you know Timmy Stutzla. Timmy Stutz is a guy that I think can get to 20 goals. 25 might be a stretch. Drake yes. Batherson's the guy I'm going to go with on this one. I love yeah. the release. And I, and I also wouldn't say 
I wouldn't even rule out. I know you only have a number of options. Like Josh Norris is another guy that likes to shoot the puck. But I still think, like, if you're asking me, one 30-goal guy or four 20-goal guys, I would. I think they're going to have four 20-goal guys and not one 30-goal I know, and I'm with you on that, Ian. I hate, I hate the question, too, because there's nothing that leads me to believe that anybody's going to reach 30. <laughs> but, I mean, just to entertain the question, I had to try to do some mental gymnastics it, to justify it. But but no no but the question is who has the best chance at thirty goals not who's going to get thirty yeah. goals right like so I'm right, gonna yeah. defend whoever yeah, with this question it's uh, yeah. it's accurately worded Connor Brown just for the record was on pace for thirty last season now he did score in like yeah. eight straight games so but he had twenty one yeah. last season Drake Batherson seventeen goals last season and uh, Brady Kachuk uh, he was on pace for twenty five so and he's gone twenty two twenty one and seventeen so there's a chance. But I do know, like Mendes, I would tell you, there wasn't that long ago with Hoffman and I, I want to say Peugeot and Stone, like there was five 20 goal scores. It might have been Carlson's in that same group. Ottawa had one of the best well-rounded scoring touches, I think, in the National Hockey League when they had, I think it was five guys with 20 goals in a season. I, I would take your four goals, your four guys at 25 goals any day over one 30 goal score, no question. Yeah, hold on. I think we've got what, what's your uh, what's your betting uh, sponsor again? It's sports. Uh, that would be sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Why don't we put some money on this at some point? You know, what's uh, more likely, one thirty goal guy or four twenty goal guys? Oh, you know, I'm going to take the one thirty goal guy. Oof. See. Let's 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 get this on the board. We got our we got our yeah. golf match on the board. I'm pretty sure we could get this uh, line up uh, on the board. Oh, man. We still owe. Uh, there's a rematch that still has to take place, but I don't know what that's going to be or when. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll be as soon as Simmer gets off Twitter. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, see, he's, I, he's, I told you I'm coming with the jokes. Scouting. The jokes are there, and the timeliness is there. Uh that's why I miss having you on the show. Um, there we go. Well, do you do you have time or do you have to go? No, I can. I got time. Okay. All right. So uh, we're gonna go bold predictions, since we just kind of I just made one, and that's Drake Batherson to thirty. Is there? Do you have? And you've probably already done this on your own podcast, which is a very good podcast on the Athletic, um, called the Hockey Show. Uh, do you have a bold prediction for us? Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for the plug. I like the fact that you said you've probably done this on your show, meaning you haven't listened. So appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm just I'm will... behind a couple episodes. Okay. Does this work? Uh, Artem Zub is scoring a shootout goal this season. Oh. Is that bold enough or not bold? Yeah. Artem no, Zub no, is good. scoring a shootout goal. Book it. Yeah. I don't mind that. Okay. Okay. Now I now I have to follow this up with a bold prediction. I'm assuming, right, Wally? Yeah. 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 Why not? How how many how many tucks did Sh did Shabby have last year? Do we do we know offhand here exactly how many goals he had? No. But imagine Greg that won't there's a in two seconds. Imagine there's a new fan who's never heard like the show or doesn't know anything about hockey, and all they hear is how many tucks did Shabby have last year, and they don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. you know what, if Shab, okay, so if Thomas Shabbat happens to play with Zub, which I think most people are hoping for, I think we're going to see a lot, a lot different player here. So 
I'm like, I'm hoping that he can take another step forward. Not that he needs to, because he is a terrific player. I think he's been shorthanded a little bit playing with certain players. I'm going to say that Thomas Shabbat is going to have 15 goals this season. That seems very attainable for him. There you go. Perfect. So I'm going to go with 15 for Thomas Shabbat. Interesting. Okay. No one's saying anything, uh, so I don't know if that was just a terrible thing to say. That's bold. No, it's okay. We're kind. We're just left to, to think about this and marinate it for a second. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say Josh Norris, and I didn't. Pre- I didn't prepare this, even though I wrote the question. Josh Norris has 65 points. Is that much of a stretch? Okay. Oh no. yeah, that's that 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 puts him in an elite like elite company. Yeah. 65 yeah, points, right? But he's, he's going to get the looks, right? Like we, score. Right. Yeah, it just depends on the rest of his line mates, I guess. But yeah, I like it. It's it's bold. That's he's, yeah. He's got to have Brady Kachuk that's on his bold. Way. Yeah. All right. Well, that that didn't go anywhere near how I had planned. Okay. Um, Wait, what, what did you want? Something bolder than that? I uh, I don't know. There, we all just went. Yep. Yeah, okay. That's good. <laughs> Okay, so what you're saying is the bold, the bold prediction needed to be so bold as to elicit like this outrageous reaction yeah. from everybody else. Like, yeah, that's never... okay, I got you, I got yeah. you. Okay, you know, so like here's Shane one. Pinto wins Philip Gustafson. Okay, Philip Gustafson plays in 30 games this season. See, I was gonna say Philip Gustafson ends up being the number one goalie on the team, but I thought that was just outlandish. So I'm that's not. Too, but I that's the whole okay point. That. <laughs> 30? 30, 30 okay, appearances yeah. for Philip Gustafson. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I like it. Listen, now, Matt does, has reached the point Shabbat... of the show where he's like, it's five yeah. o'clock. He's ready. He's, he's hungry. No, I'm not. I'm he's ready to not go. I'm not hungry at all. Uh, I just don't have, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't have anything to add there. <laughs> okay. Well, then, you know what? We're going to. Oh. So, uh, Mendez, just before you go, uh, do you have a prediction yeah. on the Cowboys score tonight's game? Oh. Cowboys and Eagles. 33 28. And I tell you for who. It's just going to be 33 Just Why don't you just pick the Cowboys once to win once? Because it'll just break my heart. I usually pick against them. That way I feel like it's a win-win scenario. So 33-28. Do you have a favorite snack uh, that you watch the football game with? No. The the rice cake comment was a joke uh, earlier in the show. Uh, No, usually I I do chicken wings or whatever. But no, I don't have some sort of set uh, menu that every time the Cowboys play, I have to, you know. Okay. Eat something. Did like you but, specific? I, you know, I, I, I did think about saying some. I do have an air fryer. Everybody bought an air fryer during the pandemic, by the way. So we just got one like a week ago and had wings in it, and they were the best wings I've ever had. It's unreal. I I feel like there was this secret club of people who owned air fryers <laughs> that weren't talking about it. I like, know it's the Everybody best got thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just continuing this conversation because it's driving math nuts. Yeah, the math is like, he's done. He is done. All right. Well, man, that's an we air appreciate fryer. you stopping I can, by. I, I can relate. 
I can relate. Yeah, Ian, thank you for coming by. I just wanted to add that I do agree with the air fryer thing. I haven't made chicken wings yet. There's my two cents, Wally. Okay, what what, what have you made in the air fryer? Uh, we use it for a lot of the kids' food, so like chicken fingers and fries and and maybe vegetables as sides for our meals. That's typically what we'll throw in there. Yeah. Try the wings. Little bone sauce okay. sauce with it. Uh, <laughs> Mendez, we'll have you back on, I'm sure, sometime soon. Uh, we appreciate you as always. You coming by and helping us out. You've been uh, you're the number one fan of the show. Yeah, listen, I, as long as I, I'm, I'm in the leaderboard, just keep a leaderboard. And if anybody's getting close to me on all-time appearances, let me know and I'll I'll jump back on. Igor Sokolov, and you you guys are close. So he might be ahead of you slightly because we made a segment for him. Okay. We made fancy graphics and everything. Yeah. We'll, we'll get some for you. <laughs> All right. See you, buddy. Take care. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, so Thanks I again. can just log off right now. I I don't have to do anything else. Yeah, uh, Alex will take care of it. Yeah. See you, pal. Okay. All right. <laughs> take have a care. good one. Bye. All right, there goes Ian Mendes from the Athletic, who uh, writes phenomenal articles. Uh, make sure you subscribe to it. He's covered the Ottawa Senators in a fantastic fashion. Uh, I love his writing. Anyway, uh, Meth. Uh, before we go, uh, we'll actually bring on Craig here for one last chat. Yep. Uh, who's been busy sure. in the back and tolerates us more than we care. And uh, he's had a couple polls go on. Um, no big surprise that we said uh, that uh, Shane Pinto would be the second line, or at least be, yeah, second line center or start the year in Ottawa. I think it's start the year in Ottawa, right? Everybody yeah, that's what, the, that's what the chat said. It was like 90% said uh, that that was what was going to happen. So, yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you, Brett. You should be. And, and yeah, and math as well. Anyway. Um, all right. Sorry. Uh, good chat today, by the way. It's been very active. We got to get math in there. Yeah, it was I great, man. People were, yeah. Well, when you, when you guys are talking about like the current send stuff, man, like they love that stuff. So people are, there was like, a lot of good takes in there as well. They were, they were giving you guys some gears about your bold predictions being a little, maybe bold italics, but it was pretty Like they they had a few in there that were pretty good as well. But uh, so yeah, man, chat so was great, you, great again today. Just try to make them bold, but yet pre like, somewhat attainable i think that's what it is bold italic you know what we're, we're soft that's what we just we're soft we're safe ah, it's fine. Nah, no, anyway. we're good we're 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 gonna win our win that bet with against ian right the uh 130 goal or was it three oh, 20 yeah. goals or whatever four, tw four 20 goal scores four yeah. 20 goals we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that one too for sure another little contest we got going there hey you know what we can do while we're wrapping up here before we get out of here is uh we got another little contest thing we did uh trivia from our last show where we had chris Trieger. Igor Sokolov, uh, we put together a little question, had some gong show gear, our gear. Alex, can you put the, let's put the, uh, the, our lineup there. If you want to head over and grab your stuff, the Wally and Mathot collection over at gongshow.com. Check it out. There's some really good stuff there. Hoodies, shirts, hats. Uh, so head on over there, support the show, grab something, uh, rep it out in the streets. We'd appreciate that. Um, but if you entered this contest, like a few people did, uh, we're going to give away a hat and a t-shirt. Um, and it was based off of our Chris Drieger interview. We asked how many minutes did he play for the Ottawa Senators? Uh, the answer was just under 95 minutes. Uh, so shout out to Kevin Jimena. I'm pretty sure he's in the chat, so that's cool. Uh, at 11BK Jimena. Uh, so Kevin, not a boy. Congrats, you got that one right. We're going to slide into those DMs and figure out how to get you a hat and a T-shirt from our dear friends at Gong Show. Perfect. And that picture, by the way, always makes me laugh because I think that was what the first photo shoot that Meth and I did together. And I, I feel like the entire time he's like, <laughs> don't touch me. Don't touch me. And then I put my arm around him, and then, then we took the picture. Yeah. Oh. 
I didn't mind, Wally. No, really. Typically, I mean, that your story typically would check out, but at that moment, I was in a pretty good mood, so you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good day. Anyway, that was Man, a good how, dog show, actually. How great was Mendez today? People, that was the other thing the chat was going nuts for. Ian was on fire today, I think. Yeah, he, he had some really good, yeah, uh, he's really, really good. good takes. How, how bad was it to be stuck yeah. after answering questions after him? Like, he'd pretty much say everything, and then you're like, ah, where do you go from here? Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? I could just I could just throw a bunch of fluff out there or just keep my mouth shut. So I pick my pick and choose my spots, but I agree with a lot of Ian's points there. He was he's he knows what he's talking about. He knows the game very well. Yeah, he's good. <sighs> gotta figure out how to make the two of you confrontational. That's what I gotta figure out. <laughs> well, it's too soon, hey. Wally. That's the thing, right? Like we we yeah. we've got literally one exhibition game under our belts right now. So like what uh, you know, you can we can I and know. I have I have I have not paid zero attention to training camp other than just reading stuff online. So I think over the next like two weeks, getting a little more exhibition stuff under our belts, I'll get a better, clearer picture and I'll be able to argue a little bit more. <laughs> uh and by the way, next game Wednesday, uh in Ottawa, they're is that the the Leafs, right? They're playing the Leafs Wednesday? I believe so. Yeah. Right? So that'd be good. Aren't they playing Montreal? Good to, They're you'll... playing Montreal back to back. Montreal at home on Friday and then Saturday in Montreal. Yeah. Is that what it is? And so, yeah. So I'll Wednesday, you'll see, right, the guys, mo more regulars in the lineup because it's at home. That's right. You'll see the Del Especially the home games. So, yeah. So for yeah. the fans, expect the better lineups always at home. They cater to the vets yeah. that way. And especially for those games, especially the last two games, you're probably going to see close to a full lineup. So yeah, Wednesday's so uh, Wednesday's Wednesday's Toronto, and then it's the home and home in Montreal over the weekend. So yeah, you guys have to yeah, yeah. Over. perfect. All right, until we see you on Thursday. By the way, that's right. Uh, Mike Johnson will be joining us uh, from TSN nice. from the NHL Network, and just recently joined TSN 1200 to go through their rotation. So we're looking forward to chatting with him. Don't forget, he played in Phoenix. I'm going to ask him about having the old crest back on the jerseys. Uh, and see what he mm. thinks of that. The Kachina or something it's called. So we'll yeah. see what he's got to say. Anyway, uh, until Thursday, go enjoy some uh, air fried wings, boys. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.